welcome to Powered, Powered by, by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we're coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. Yes, and today we are welcoming a friend. We have Arwen Eve Lily with us, and it's our first time doing a an interview. A threesome. Oh, God. (laughs) We're doing a threesome. Yes, it's our first time doing an interview. I had to go there. (laughs) And would you like to say hello? Absolutely. Hi, I'm Arwen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. So how's your week, Tatiana? My week's been good. I have a possible job interview. Don't know if I have it or not. I had some communication back and forth with a company that said they were going to talk to me at 9 a.m. in the morning on Monday, and then when I contacted them back, I got no response. So I'm really not sure where that stands. Mm. And that's the big event in my life right now. You know, I thought I had a house sit this weekend, and they canceled last minute. That was, that was okay. It was all right. Okay. It all worked out. Oh, good. And my usual working with my classes that I do. So that's mm-hmm. pretty much me. How you about you? stay busy. Yeah, I do stay busy. <laughs> um, I had, a, objectively, I had a good week. The only bad thing about it is I didn't sleep worth crap. I was awake until like one in the morning every night and I had to get up at 6.30 the next day to go to work. And I don't know what was going on or why my brain was just not shutting off, but that's just the way it was and it was a very tired week. Yes, I know you arrived today quite tired. I, you know, I tried to go to sleep earlier last night. That didn't work. And of course my brain wakes up at... Eight thirty, pretty much every morning if I don't wake up at the 6.30. So Arwen, how's your week been? Um, my week has been really pretty good, I would say. I'm feeling like the, the pulse of spring beginning Ooh. and that's been really, really nice. Yeah. Um, I relate also to the sleep piece. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I think with light coming back, there's a tendency to want to be up later. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that for me makes it a lot harder to get up in the morning. Mm. So yeah, so I've been definitely dragging a little bit this week, but have also really enjoyed the breaks in the weather. Ah, yes. Got out yesterday and put some peas into the ground. Got some starts Ooh. going in the garden. Nice. And I was able to take a friend on a little walking tour of Eugene. Oh, oh nice. Whitaker District. So that was very so fun. nice. I really love living in Eugene and I love all the different quirky elements that one might not always know about if they're new to the area. Yeah. Right? I actually nice hidden spots. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I actually live over next to the Whitaker, but I actually haven't ever taken a like a tour of it. Ooh, well, perhaps you and I will have to talk about that later. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, Whitaker is a special little niche, and it's one of the few left in Eugene that hasn't been touched by all of the college crowd and mm-hmm. everybody moving here from California. And yeah, it's nice. Well, it's, it's definitely changed since I've moved here, which is 
part of what I appreciate about being able to walk someone through it is even though it is still unique and eccentric, it's gotten a little bit gentrified, you know. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of the old hippie joints have been turned into very expensive little eateries. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been interesting. I still remember when it was a very punk uh, rundown sort of Anarchist. environment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All the old fun punk haunts. A um, little bit of that still, but um, mm-hmm. definitely miss the kind of big free board and the announcement boards and all of the things that made this place particularly charming to me in yeah. 94 when I moved here. Oh, yeah, 94. I was mm-hmm. here in end of 99. Ah. You look like you almost have a visitor there. Mm. She's coming. We have our kitty here, of I course, remember. our mascot for our show. <laughs> <laughs> Always lovely to have a black cat who's got your back and literally oh, she has your back literally on my shoulder <laughs> i amber uh, and we are all ready with our coffee drinks and set to go so well i'm the odd one out i have an energy drink okay that's close close Ca- enough caffeination yeah yes. caffeine yeah that's that's the 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 oh what you would call what are you it is the uh, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's making this all possible. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, shall we dig in then? Yeah. Okay, we have a squeaky chair because my cat is just making it very difficult on our guest, but oh, so She's sweet. trying to make out with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. She's also trying to get into trouble, which she's about to do. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Okay, we may suffer some inter- interruptions today, but they, she might find the heater and then settle down. Okay, Arwen, you're here with us today to give us some insights about uh, witchery from an outsider's perspective, and super excited about this. Mm-hmm. So we're going to just dig right in, and I'm going to ask you, do you consider yourself a witch? Yes, I absolutely do. And if so, how did you come into being, you know, a witch? How did that happen for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Really happy to be on this podcast, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So happy that such a thing exists. Um, Glad to have you. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, I became self-identified with that term witch when I was about 17. And I was, you know, living in a really remote little island And for me, it was just kind of a process, actually, of inquiry that began because two things were happening. One was I was raised Catholic, and so I was in the process of going through this kind of standard just experience of, like, deciding whether or not I was going to be confirmed. So when you're 17, at least in, in the church that I was a part of, you go through this whole kind of commitment basically like ceremony that becomes official right of like okay you know you're gonna do it you're gonna commit to catholicism and this is what it means confirmation's big mm -hmm. yeah like your loyalty to the church Mm. and i already had reservations about that because yeah i really clearly remember when i was in about first grade doing catechism class and the teacher was like okay kids who can you pray to and one of the little kids is like, God? And she's like, yes, yes, you, you can pray to God. <sighs> Another kid's like, Jesus? And she's like, yeah, you can pray to Jesus. So I raised my hand and I was like, Mary. 
And she's like, no, you <gasps> cannot pray to Mary. What? Where did you hear that? Da, 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 da. And I was just oh, like, oh, geez. Holy moly. <laughs> because, I mean, there's the rosary. Hello. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom always told me I could pray to Mary, which was one of the things that reassured me as a child that was like, why is God always male? And what's up with all these male apostles? You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't like that from the very get go. And was always asking questions that would get me in trouble uh, in catechism, you know, and mm-hmm. that was kind of the start of it where I was just like, that doesn't sit well with me. Mm. Remember being a small child being like, I don't like this. So, you know. Very I, self-realized at a young age. Yeah. Mm. Just rubbed me the wrong way, you know, <laughs> just didn't, didn't do it for me. So yeah, I pretty much had to go to catechism and mass every Sunday, catechism every Wednesday, mass every Sunday. Uh, it was just not an option, right? That was what my family did. And that's what I was expected to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't feel like my choice until mm. I became like, you know, when I was 17, a lot was happening. My parents were getting divorced. So there was more freedom in the house and more okay. of like the sense of, okay, I can like kind of explore my own identity a little bit more. And I was feeling pulled to do that. And I also had a class project that year and chose to study the Salem witch trials. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> inciting incident yes yes <laughs> pivotal moment for me mm-hmm. right. of course in the process of researching that I kind of went down the rabbit hole and started learning about the Spanish Inquisition and that led me to dig more into Catholicism's really mm-hmm. misogynistic roots and some of yep. the political scandal that for me was just deeply disturbing mm-hmm. and so I would bring this to my Monsignor when I would meet with him once a week which is the oh, standard God preparatory time for like consulting with the wise man of the church to be like, <laughs> do, you have well. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any questions, my child? And I was like, you know, actually I do. <laughs> I remember the week I learned about the Malleus Maleficarum. Oh God. Right, right. Which many of you might know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, translates literally into the witch's hammer. And it was something, it was a screed that was like, I don't know, published by some bishop. I don't even remember the year, but it was ages ago. Yeah. Do you remember the year, Sylvia? Um, I think we all know what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, Google but it. I don't know. I don't remember which year. I mean, I yeah. can look it up real quick. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, basically this was what really tipped me over the edge. I was like, this is bullshit. And I told my Monsignor, I'm like, can you explain this to me? And he was like, oh, like, I don't even think he knew what it was but basically it was like this decree that said women have no soul and they are a secret and wheedling enemy and therefore it is okay to take their property to burn them at the stake to uh, be suspicious of them and that they should not have the same rights as men that they're not actually human beings Mm -hmm. and this was a piece of writing that was utilized to justify um, torture and killing of women Mm. So I looked it up and it was apparently, it looks like it was written in 1486 and it was issued in 1487. Mm-hmm. Bad year. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for looking that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody wants to have a difficult uh, existential crisis, there's there's a link there for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that sent me over the edge and I had to go into him because he couldn't answer my question to any degree of satisfaction. Yeah. And I suspected he wouldn't be able to. But then I was like, yeah, no, I can't do this. I'm sorry. I'm like, you're, you're cool and all. And I appreciate you spending the time to answer my questions. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but I'm not getting them answered to my satisfaction. So I can't be Catholic. 
And I think he was pretty flabbergasted. I don't know that he'd had a young person have that kind of response before. Either way, I didn't care. I just started reading about uh, witches. And the first book that I purchased that was really pivotal for me in my identification as a witch was Lori Cabot's The Power of the Witch. Hmm. And for those Hmm. of you who aren't familiar, Lori Cabot is often credited as the original witch of Salem. So she's a priestess, practitioner, and actually an activist who founded an organization called the Witches League for Anti-Defamation, I think it was. I might have that a little bit off. But anyhow, she was just a brilliant woman. And I read her book, and it resonated with me. Everything resonated with me. Just the sacredness of the earth, and the divine feminine, and finding balance. You know, that nobody is, like, better than or worse than, just that there's a duality. Mm-hmm. And it all just really made sense to me and clicked. And I remember telling a friend of mine at the time, I'm like, I feel like she took, like, everything I've been thinking and holding in my heart and, and put it into words in a book. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that was how I began to self-identify that's great is that an older book then i think it might have been written in the 90s like 1990 okay Okay. still still a classic read really breaks things down yeah because that's funny i came about in similar way i mean i always felt like a witch all my life but i didn't really put it to words and you know accept it as a, a title religious label until I read The Truth About Witchcraft Today, which I can't remember the author's name. I'm sorry. Is that book Buckland, maybe? Or no. Or Scott Cunningham? No. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sylvia's Googling away. <laughs> but she's probably going to find out for us momentarily here. Oh, yeah. Here. That's the beauty of the internet. <laughs> yes. Yes. But that's what, you know, a book, a again, book. Mm-hmm. shifted me. Now mm-hmm. I'm curious about your book. I want to take a oh, look at that. Oh, it's so good. Highly <laughs> recommend highly recommend not only was her wisdom and her passion so clear and evident in the book but she's also a very organized thinker Mm. so you know there were charts in there about these crystals are good for that and here's like an illustration of how you set up an altar to honor the four elements and everything was just so accessible and just so reasoned and well-spoken and articulated it just felt so welcoming and helpful and immediately Mm. transferable into my own spiritual practice Mm. which then I was able to just jump right into as a solitary practitioner nice fantastic and it was a good timing because it was a hard period of time in my life but having my little altar and just being able to go into my room every evening and light the candles and ground myself out and have the incense would allow me to just cry which I really needed to do Mm-hmm. And then I'd feel very clear and I would be able to kind of state some intentions and really feel connected to my heart. So yeah, her book helped me do that. And that's how I began my journey. Can that's you excellent. grab her from there? She's trying to cat, do something. She cat shouldn't. alert. Yes, cat alert. <laughs> Baby girl, no. On the floor? Yeah, that's okay. fine. <laughs> On the floor. There you go, Amber. So it looks like it's by Scott Cunningham. It's Cunningham. It is Cunningham. Yeah. Okay. Ah, All right. Another great guy. Yes. Amazing reference book. You know, he he has so many references. Yes, rest Mm -hmm. in peace. Yeah, that was, I think, maybe the second book I got was, what, The Solitary Practitioner? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Scott Cunningham. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Excellent book. Mm -hmm. And I love that about Wicca, too, that it was like men and women both wrote books. Right. You know, it wasn't like it was anti-male. Like, I loved that aspect, too. I'm like, this is so cool. It's not like in so much of Christianity where it's like women are kind of forbidden and treated like second-class citizens. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like the opposite. Like, it wasn't that men yeah, were second-class right. citizens. It was just like everybody's equal, right? Yeah, yeah, see, I find that interesting. When I first came into it back in the 90s, and what I have found as a teacher when I was teaching, it seems like oftentimes 
women would come into this and they would be so against the male side. So in such an extreme shift. Mm -hmm. And so it took time to get the pendulum to swing back where there was a balance, but it took time. It wasn't like right away. And that was my experience was just that, you know, these women would come from a lot of them from Catholic backgrounds Mm -hmm. and other backgrounds, of course. But it would seem like this the shift of the pendulum would go like anti-male big time. Right. And there then, was definitely the separatist yes. kind of no, 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 versions no, no. of not only feminism, but, but Wicca. Yeah. Separatist women centered Wicca. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you got to think they've had so much male centered spirituality and stuff. Their trauma life shut yeah. down their throat. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And I find often there's a correlation with sexual abuse survivors as well. Mm. So women that have, you know, been, yeah, know, made to have sexual interactions against their will. Yeah, um, perpetrated assault, by men. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, right. There's this kind of a definitely pendulum swinging and sort of a protective element. I think for mm-hmm. some women that was really powerful too to be able to just claim a space that was just for them. But that didn't necessarily speak to me so much. I was really mm-hmm. seeking that duality and that balance and just like, can we all just be spiritual beings together and have this yeah. human experience, but still really just demonstrate and celebrate our respect for the earth and for the process of life and just have that be a shared joyful experience. So that's something I really sought out and loved about it. Excellent. Yeah. So I'd ask you, when did you start practicing? But you kind of said there. 17, baby. Yep, yep. (laughs) Again, you also answered, was there something that set you on the path of magic? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well. I feel too. I'll just say, like, I was really fortunate because not only was my really Catholic dad kind of out of the picture at that point. I mean, it was like the perfect storm. So I had more freedom to be able to explore my unique kind of sense of identity in terms of spirituality that I had that freedom my mom you know was like cool honey whatever you want to do like I get it like I I feel that you know she wasn't really so down with the whole patriarchal like oppressive religion she had converted to Catholicism for my dad because Mm. that's one of their things is you basically have to convert if you're going to marry someone who's Catholic so Mm -hmm. you know she those weren't necessarily she wasn't like a real dyed-in-the-wool hardcore Catholic so that was helpful. I also had some friends that really supported me in my exploration and growth. That was really a blessing. I know my first boyfriend then at the time was just so moved and so excited that I had found this spiritual path that he actually made me my first athame. Oh, yeah. that's so sweet. <laughs> he forged it like he um, had like an old metal file and he like melted it down and did the edges for me and like made the handle out of wood. It was so beautiful. That's mm. amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I still have it. I was going to ask you. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, and he would find cool books for me on Wicca and buy them for me. And then, yeah, that kind of became a thing. Then my next couple boyfriends were also really into that, buying me witchy books and just being like, that's so cool that you dig like something. You know, that you have a, <laughs> have a passion. <laughs> so I was very encouraged and I feel very blessed um, because of that because I know not everybody feels safe or comfortable or gets that kind of encouragement to really like dive into their spirituality, especially mm-hmm. at that young of an age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to be able to be out of the closet, which is so many people are not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not safe in so many ways. In fact, I was so empowered that I remember... In college, when I was 19, I wrote, I was just 
on fire. I wanted people to understand that all these stereotypes about Wicca were bullshit. Mm. And so I was working on my student paper and I would write articles every Halloween about like, you think you know what witch means, but it really doesn't mean what you think it means. And I would break it down. Like, you know, the word Wicca, the Anglo-Saxon term Wicca means craft of the wise. And I would Mm -hmm. go through the whole thing and just map it out, talk about the Malleus Maleficarum and Kind of just try to bust myths. And I didn't care. I mean, I was 19. I was like, y'all need to know. And uh, (laughs) so I would just write these articles that then some people would find very disturbing and inflammatory. But, you know, when I look at them, even objectively, I'm like, no, this is just me info dumping and being super excited about something that's actually true. Mm -hmm. And it challenges a lot of people's assumptions and beliefs and a lot of stereotypes. And certainly I could see if you were like a really ferocious Christian that was close-minded, maybe that could be perceived as threatening. But I was working at a grocery store at the time, and it was interesting. People would come into my line and tell me how upset they were about my article and that I was wrong, and, you know, I didn't know what I was talking about or messing with, and... I'd just be like, damn, (laughs) you're making a difference right there. Mm -hmm. It was surprising. There's this other guy that I think had previously had a crush on me. And he then became obsessed with trying to convert me into Christianity. Like this guy had no idea. I was like, dude, you know, but he'd come through and try to give me Jesus pamphlets and come with his spiritual mentor and be like, we're praying for your soul. And I'd be like, get out of my line. (laughs) So yeah, it was interesting to me just to see that little mini version of a backlash for me just writing articles and my little hometown everybody knows who you are Mm. it wasn't even something I thought about you know I never Mm. felt unsafe but then after I started just being so outspoken and putting those things out there into my little hometown vibe I was surprised at just how much that seemed to either threaten people or make people really excited and want to approach me so I made some friends because of the article also Mm. which was lovely people that got it were like cool you know thanks for sharing that and hey you know I kind of dig that stuff too and yeah was able to then have really meaningful conversations and made some good friends who I am still in touch with to this very day that's That's cool happy story yes we love hearing those all right what does witchcraft mean to you Mm, such a good question witchcraft to me i think means creative empowerment and connection to the earth and just a sense of one's own inner sovereignty as well as connection to the big picture so like it's a sort of dual again version of like being able to honor and express who you are without worrying too much about what others think but at the same time acknowledging and recognizing that you're part of this big web and everything you do makes an impact Mm -hmm. so that you want to be conscious and intentional about that because humility is important there's so many things about others that we don't know and can't know so we can't assume things about other people and their path but also we want to make sure that we're always centered in what feels like it resonates for us personally um so i like that it's it's not about following the herd right Mm -hmm. it's not about not about squishing yourself into a box to make other people comfortable but you're also not just going out being an asshole i guess basically yeah yeah love that trying to live your life with intention as if you know that what you do matters but also not thinking that you know everything Um, yeah Yeah. and and constantly the balance exactly and then just always being rooted in those four elements 
right? Kind of mm-hmm. connecting to that fact that you're just part of earth, air, fire, water. Yeah. And that forms the connection of your spirit to everything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what about magic as a follow-up to that? Mm, magic. I think of magic as a way to, hmm... Um, just set intention forward in a powerful ritualistic way and also to kind of release the outcome. I mean, I think that sometimes it's easy to feel like, okay, I can do magic and make things happen. And, and that has control. to be, right. That has to be the end goal. It's like the spell has to work and I'm going to make things like happen, but that's not really what that's about. Right. Like for me anyway, magic is about like honoring and celebrating and being like, what do I need to know? What do I need to do next? Like, what's the path that's going to unfold before me? And how do I step into that with intention? Magic being sort of a process of just commemorating and creating space, right, for what's next. Yeah. And I think that mm. the seasons are a really nice springboard for that. Mm-hmm. And so. that's, I think I agree with you. And, and I think it's also about just trusting something outside of yourself. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Trusting the process, Mm -hmm. really. And saying what you want, of course, like what you would like, but to keep Mm -hmm. that as vague and general as possible with the parameters, of course, that it's with safety and love and for the highest and best good of all concerned. So any work that I do magically, I always kind of call in guides for protection to sort of ensure that only the most helpful energetic presences are going to be in the space, as I state my intention, Mm -hmm. and that whatever outcome unfolds is going to be for the highest and best good of all concerned. Now, I want to just clarify a little bit here. When we do spell work, Mm -hmm. I find that we often say you want to be really specific. You want to, Mm -hmm. you know, know exactly what you're saying, you know, what your tools are that you're using to do it. Mm -hmm. And you, you really want to be specific. Right. However, you want to release it up into the universe and remember that you don't have control over all of it, that Mm -hmm. there has to be that trust in things to have its own process as well. Right. So I just wanted to clarify. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. You're right. Specific spells would be a different take, but yeah, I don't tend to do very specific spells, Mm -hmm. but that's a really excellent point. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to make sure that you're not uh, leaving any empty holes that potentially could wonky could be wonky right intention is very good to be clear on the intention yes yeah what do you feel are you know the ethics of being a witch Mm, that's such a good question i do think it goes back to again just respecting that you're a being of free will and others as well are sovereign beings of free will and that we can't assume we know what's best for someone else. I, I loved the Wiccan read when I was studying uh, Wicca for the very first time. And of course, the Wiccan read is, and it harm none, do what you will. And then, of course, there's the rule of three. Whatever mm-hmm. you do, whatever you put out there is going to come back to you three times. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes tenfold is, yeah. is another you know way that I've seen it phrased. And so I think, yeah, that those are the ethical standards, I think, to recognize is that you want to be following your own heart and your own intuition and your own path. And you want to be sure that that's grounded in humility and respect for all other beings mm-hmm. and their right to safety, health, and happiness. Right. And in you mentioned this threefold and tenfold and with teaching the teacher is responsible also for the magic of the student so that comes back at the teacher double the amount so it's really important when you're teaching Mm. to be very aware that your student is getting the information accurately and acting on it in an appropriate manner right yeah 
Right. That adds a whole other dimension of complexity to yeah. the work you do, Tatiana, I know. Have done, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's a lot of responsibility, and it should not be taken lightly, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I think clear communication is another part of the ethics of Wicca. And I know that this is something that you've touched on before in your podcast, but just that you don't do spell work for someone else without getting their permission. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And just making sure, too, that you're acting in integrity. You're not being manipulative or leaving information out, like that you're really clear about your intention and you're direct in the work that you do. And keep your biases out, you know, be aware of what your biases are. If you Mm -hmm. have some, Mm -hmm. make sure you're very clear about them. Right. And take responsibility for them. Yep. Yep. Good communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sense of responsibility and the awareness that we're all connected. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you practice the craft? Mm, Good question. It sort of depends. Like with uh, COVID, of course, I wasn't able to meet with any like-minded folks. I love to do that when it's possible to get together with other people that practice the craft to do some kind of ritual gathering um, Mm -hmm. on the, the sabbats. But when that's not happening, I like to just take extra time to... And usually I'll I'll make sure to do that during the, you know, the different turnings of the wheel of the year. And Mm -hmm. uh, also sometimes on full moons or new moons, take some intentional time to think about where I'm at in my own kind of process as a spiritual being and have some kind of representations that I use to help me kind of focus on that and affirm that. So I light a lot of candles in my house, Mm. plant a lot of seeds and kind of think about my intentions as I'm doing that. Write in my journal a lot for sure about what I'm wanting to release and what I'm wanting to bring more of into my life. Mm -hmm. And whenever I can, I incorporate that with things like gardening, right? one right. of those <laughs> yeah and you have a beautiful garden mm-hmm. I have to just say that's gorgeous garden you can really feel the energy of your magic in that garden mm-hmm. yeah yeah I'm very lucky in that regard that's certainly a practice that keeps me grounded that I strive to do that every day like it's just a little miniature check-in um, mm-hmm. and in the years I haven't had a garden when I've not been that fortunate just being outside and listening to the rain You know, just contact Mm -hmm. with the natural world for me is a way that I stay in touch and in tune with that greater sense of energy and Mm -hmm. awe that for Mm -hmm. me is the core of being a magical being. Yeah. Well, it kind of plays right into this next question is, you know, do you have any daily practices? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, good question. I try to do some kind of meditation every day. Mindfulness practices are usually what I manage to do. Don't Mm -hmm. always do the meditation, but mindfulness practice um, is something that I incorporate. And again, it's like for me now, I go outside every morning and talk to my plants, right? That's like the first first thing I like to do to greet the day is to go out. And and I've got birds too on my back porch, Mm -hmm. so I'll go out and check out what the birds are up to, Mm -hmm. go out and look at all the plants, see where Mm -hmm. everybody's at in their growing cycle. And a lot of times, like I was thinking about this this morning because you all had sent me the questions, and I realized, I don't even think I realized this is part of my practice, but I'll go out and just like... I guess it is meditation. Like today I just sat there and I looked at this little unfolding bud on my flowering plum tree and just kind of let myself really pay attention to all the little details of that little opening bud and Mm. look at its texture and just kind of notice it in a way where I was going really into it, really deep into it. And that, that calms me, right? That settles my mind and makes me, I think, more open to receiving messages that are going to be helpful to me, often Mm -hmm. from the plant world. 
um, or the just the just the earth in general. Love that. Mm-hmm. That is lovely. Yeah, I find that of all the things to focus or fixate on, like nature's my favorite. Right? Yes. I just always feel like my nervous system balance if I'm by water or near a tree or a plant of some right. of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, or fire. I was yeah. talking to somebody the other day about, of course, I have a little fire that I like to have a fire pit in sometimes if the weather permits, which it often doesn't. But my other favorite thing is just to light a candle and just look into the flame. Mm-hmm. And I find that mm-hmm. just really is consistent at getting me to spray. chill out. Yeah, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Just to let your eyes go soft and let that magic just help you process through whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love those ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And then feeling the wind. I was going to say, I, it made me think of Mount Pisgah, which is here in Eugene, mm-hmm. and going up on this one hill at where there's a swing. Yes. I think they still have the swing there. Oh, they do. Oh, good. They yep. still have the swing there. And yep. it, when you swing, you're just swinging right off the edge of like, oh. not a cliff. It's It's not a cliff, but it's a steep hill yes and it feels like you're just about to fly yes mm. into the wind uh-huh. and into the sky and it mm-hmm. just is such an amazing feeling so, so beautiful yeah. you see all the farmland mm-hmm. yeah in fact I was going to mention that that's funny because I remember when I was had the opportunity to be practicing and learning from you Tatiana doing some coven work that was a place you took us all when we were talking about air energy mm-hmm. and I remember doing meditations with you uh-huh. on that hill about the wind and the air and it's such a powerful beautiful place to connect with that yeah bird medicine and just all the beauty of that that openness that that air holds for us that creativity yeah yeah Yeah. and the knowledge you can get from it and just the inspiration Mm -hmm. yeah it was a good spot for that I enjoyed doing it there so much I did it with I think every round that I taught Mm -hmm. I believe Mm, it's powerful Mm-hmm. Great location. So that's the other thing, right? Finding those great locations. Yeah. Right? yeah. Really and we are so it. blessed here in Eugene and in Oregon because it only takes maybe two hours to get to any, well, element, really. Right. Well, even even just an hour, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But if you want to go to the high desert, you can go to high desert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ocean isn't, you know, what, an hour away? Yeah, an hour. Right. Yeah. Right. We're in, very blessed. in the middle of the mountains, an hour, you're good. Have you had any magical experiences that you would like to share with us? Hmm. Hmm. Gosh, I feel like I've had a lot of magical experiences. And they're often like, it's funny, they'll often unfold in these just kind of mundane like ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just remember one time when I was working at this health club and I was a young person like 24 or something and it was one of these times where I had been doing all this kind of therapeutic work and I had had this evening before I went to work where I had this kind of existential like dark night of the soul and I was doing a lot of crying and kind of getting rid of like trying to really connect with like releasing myself from this fear that I wasn't going to have enough or be provided for you know all this like lack consciousness that I sort Mm -hmm. of inherited from some family trauma and So I remember doing this big piece of clearing work on that and going to work the next day and feeling like really released from that and just so grateful. And then realizing on this practical level, like, oh, I don't have a lunch today. I forgot my lunch. And then like two minutes later, somebody comes up and is like, hey, you want this free lunch? Like we're giving out these different lunch bags. And I was just like, oh, "Oh." (laughs) that's magic. (laughs) I was just working on this whole scarcity and how I don't have enough and nobody takes care of me. And then, hey. 
hey, there's my free lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. That's great. Yeah. And then there's other more dramatic things. Like I remember I got to call East once at a friend's wedding. And right as I stepped up and called East, this huge blast of wind came just flying uh, through the circle. And that ooh, felt pretty cool. No, I was like, ooh, I called that in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or at least I was just aligned in the right moment, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That, that, mm, the energies were with us on that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blessing that couple. And I mean, I really feel you, you can call it in. You can look at it any way you want. I do feel that sometimes you do have that experience where you really are calling it in and you get mm-hmm. the opportunity, the blessing yeah. of actually feeling or seeing that element in action with right. you doing that calling in. Yeah, right. So. It's like feedback from the yeah. universe. Of like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're yep. connected here. We're in this ride together. Yeah. I mean, we did a, I think, yeah, I don't know that you were there. We did a ritual of the ocean and it was a camping uh, thing that we did mm-hmm. and it was this huge ritual under the full moon and we did drawing in the sand and we had the elements each had a what do you call them a thing for fire to light the circle Mm -hmm. i can't think tiki torches right right yeah and we did all of that and we took i must we had everybody walking down to the ocean and then releasing into the ocean and you know we had probably eight people Mm -hmm. and when we came back and we're starting to release the circle the ocean had come up and was starting to sweep the circle away. Ooh. And it was just, we didn't plan it that way at all. It's just timing, just that's what happened. Right. So that's one of those right. magical moments where mm. the elements really came into play. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, our final question for today, and we're going to have a part two with you, I'm so excited to say. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited yeah. too. This has been great. This is. This has been fun. Um how does your belief in magic fit in with the wider world for you? And some of this you've already answered, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I I try to use those practices of interconnectedness to guide my daily actions. And I think part of that for me is like I've always strived to choose work that I am confident is not hurting any other person or any other Mm -hmm. being. So really being intentional in where I put my life energy and ideally to make the world a better place in some way, shape or form. I think again, it's like the ethics of Wicca that we're all connected and in some ways we affect each other and we have an opportunity in every given moment to make things better right? To be a positive Mm -hmm. force. I think that's really helped me. I think it's led me to have a sense of desire to be a change agent Mm -hmm. for like social justice and wanting to see human rights upheld. Mm -hmm. So those have been things I think that I carry forward in my beliefs and showing up to vote and doing what I can to contribute to causes I care about helping out, you know, when there's communities working with children has been a big part of my, my work in the world because there's so much opportunity when a human is young and Mm -hmm. developing and there's opportunity for harm if kids aren't treated with curiosity and respect and love. So true. Uh, And I've known you over the years and I'm just going to say from my knowing you over the years and everything that you've experienced, I'm in awe of you, and you've done such a great job in that in that respect uh, that you really are putting yourself out there in a very magical way that has affected so many lives. I'm positive of it. I mean, you have affected my life in so many ways. 
I just want to put that out there that you've just been doing such an excellent work out there and putting yourself and your beliefs out there in mm. a way that's very just brightening. Thank you. And, and I, you know, right back at you, I, I couldn't have done it without people like you. So I think that's part of it too, is trusting that it's safe to reach out to other humans and that we all mm-hmm. have more in common than we might realize and to be careful to not judge or assume, right? right? Yeah. And that often when we can do that, we will find our people. We will find those communities and those mm-hmm. networks and those families of choice um, where we can feel safe and loved and unfold and blossom into all of our possibility. And in that, it makes it better for everyone else around us, right? Mm-hmm. So building connection, yeah, yeah, is what it's a lot of what it's about for me. Wow, this has been just tremendously wonderful. I'm so grateful for you coming here today to do this with us. It's been a I don't know, just wonderful experience in general. Just but. Yeah, I'm kind of in awe of your eloquence, honestly. <laughs> yes, right. And my grandpa was a journalist ah. <laughs> and a writer. Oh boy, and a broadcaster. Oh. Well, there you go. Well, there you, you inherited. You, you want to take this over? You want to step in for us? <laughs> and one of my one of my best friends when I was in high school was a DJ, and he was oh, really damn good with the whole talking, talking and talking into the mic at the studio. So mm, I've uh, had some really good mentors. Nice. Oh, well, that's great. We are just so blessed to have that here with us today. I'm just so happy I got to come and hang out with you. (laughs) This has been a blast. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed this as much as we did. Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. I'm Tatiana, saying goodbye for now. I'm Arwen. Thank you for having me. And I'm Sylvia, saying so long, and thank you for writing with us. This has been... Powered Powered by by magic. Magic. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much. Love to have your feedback. Bye. Bye. Bye.